Welcome to Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. Talk radio to inspire, inform, and stimulate. Bringing you enlightened discussions with authors, creatives, innovative business and health professionals, and ordinary people living extraordinary lives. Sharing their expertise and life stories. Making a difference, one word at a time. Now here's your host, Vicki St. Clair. And welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Well, if it seems that you have more to do every day and less time for yourself, you're not alone. My guests today have certainly experienced this themselves. And we have a little change in programming here. So for those that had written to me and were expecting Gemma Hartley, she's uh, quite ill and couldn't join us today. So I just wanted to get that out of the way um, up front. But um, we are going to talk today, or you're going to hear from, two experts on this subject. The first, uh, the coming up second, I have Brian Robinson. Uh, he's a psychotherapist, and he's written a great new book called Hashtag Chill. Turn off your job and turn on your life. And uh, he is a former, work, uh, former uh, workaholic, recovering workaholic. And uh, I think it's still somewhat of a battle for him, as it is with most people who are in recovery. But this is a really great book for anybody who uh, works too much from choice. Uh, We're not all um, working because we have to. Some people (laughs) just can't stop themselves. And he goes into why um, it's not helpful for us to be that way. Uh, And certainly having experienced himself, it, um, it comes from a place of expertise and personal experience. But coming up first, we're going to talk with somebody who found herself in a situation where she's totally been in charge of her life. She was a lawyer. She's a law professor. And suddenly with two young children, she found herself feeling totally overwhelmed, a feeling that surprised her. And she couldn't understand why she was feeling so overwhelmed by everything she had to do. But eventually she sat down and started to look at what was going on in her life. And when she analyzed what, what was going on, she realized she was being consumed by what she calls invisible labor. And every day that unseen form of labor creeps into everyone's lives, literally stealing precious moments of our free time, it strains our schedules, it strains our relationships. And what's worth our efforts in completing this invisible labor, often no appreciation and no compensation. And so that's why she calls it life admin. It's something all of us have to do And appropriately enough, that's the name of her new book, Life Admin. So let me tell you a little bit about Elizabeth. She is uh, the Isidore and Seville Sulzbacher Professor of Law at Columbia. That's such a mouthful. But we sat down uh, to talk about how we identify this drain on our lives and, and what it looks like and what we can do about it. She begins her book saying that this is the book... I thought I didn't have time to write. It's also the book you think you don't have time to read. And uh, one of the things I love about it is that she's taken out some of the best ideas in the book and put them in list format at the back of the book. (laughs) So if you really don't have time to read it, the list is there at the back. But she conducted dozens of uh, people uh, interviews and focus groups to gather favorite uh, trips, tips and tricks. It would help if I could speak today. And uh, we begin our conversation talking about how technology has created much more self-service work that falls on us to do. Yes, it can be convenient, but it's also given us a lot more to do, not just at work, but at home too. Here is Elizabeth Emmons with Life Admin. For most people, 
technology has made things harder. Technology does offer some advantages, and so I talk about some of those in, in the book. Um, but for most of us, it has really added to the ways that this labor can reach us somewhat constantly. Uh, and the expectations for our ability to respond uh, mean that we've all been kind of given our own personal admin jobs in these devices that we carry around uh, that make demands on us. Right, right. So in our first segment, we talked with somebody else about emotional labor, the invisible cost of emotional labor. What is the invisible cost to us of all this life admin we have to do on top of that? It takes our time, first off, um, and it takes our energy. And it fills our minds and in that way takes away our ease, our ability to get into the flow of what we're doing, um, our relationships or our work uh, or our hobbies, uh, if we have time for hobbies. Uh, it, it really is a, a huge drain. And it sounds trivial, all these little things, you know, who calls the exterminator or bill paying um, or taxes, but it, it really adds up. I mean, there, if you think about the uh, free application for federal student aid, you know, for the college students, people applying for college uh, apply for financial aid or, or often their parents, uh, the FAFSA form uh, cost U.S. families 30 million hours last year. Um, and they're huge costs to people not uh, refinancing their mortgages to the tune of $5.4 billion in foregone savings, um, often because people just fail to open the mail. Um, or make that first call. And um, I, I think that there are big financial costs to this as well as time costs. Yes, I remember uh, this was several years ago. I interviewed somebody from MSNBC who specializes in uh, just consumer bills and said that the average person, and this was back then, pays over $3,000 in hidden costs that they do not need to pay if they bother to open their statement and read it and check it. So it's really shocking, and that's per year. Um, so yeah, who has the time to, to do really? this? Really? And, and one of the problems, I think, and this is where the fact that I'm a law professor, in addition to being a parent, comes in, is that I do think there are changes that we need at the level of law and markets and society, and not just in our individual lives. And, and one of them is that companies should compensate us when they waste our time. Um, and right now, courts largely dismiss those kinds of claims if you want damages for you know, lost personal time because, say, the airline loses your luggage and you eventually get it back, say, or you get financial compensation for your luggage, but not for the hours you spent battling with them and on their portal and calling them up and in their phone tree trying to get the luggage back. Yeah, yeah. Um, you talk in the book about how um, admin can wreck your life, and, and <laughs> there's no doubt that, that, that it can. Um, I've certainly had my belly full of it last year, but um, you specifically talk about admin of poverty and, and how that is extremely, it, it just causes more hardship for people who are already in a difficult situation. Absolutely. You know, the stakes of poverty admin are generally higher. You know, I can ignore my snail mail in my hallway for a week or more, but if you're on public benefits, delays in your admin can lead to losing your home. I did a focus group with a clinic, a poverty-related clinic, um, and, you know, the, the young lawyers there talked about the, how much time they spent helping people try to recover their benefits. Uh, that they had lost um, due to minor admin failures that for people who are wealthier wouldn't be such a problem. Another part of it, too, though, is that it's much harder to do the office work of life 
without an actual office and office equipment, without a copier, you know, and a scanner and all those things right. you need to do in order to complete this kind of office work. Would you share with us what your biggest personal challenge was and, and how over time you managed to fix that? I'm assuming you did fix it, so we'll, we'll, go, with, we'll go with the positive there. Sure. So one was my to-do list. Um, I, I had a truly awful way of keeping um, track of the things I needed to do. I would put them in my phone um, as a kind of urgent item for tomorrow, just in my calendar, like at 9 a.m., I'll do this. And then I would add items, and then I would put it on repeat because I wouldn't get them done. And then I would have these incredibly long lists on repeat <laughs> at particular times of the day when I was not, in fact, doing them. Um, and I couldn't adapt it. And Anyway, it was, it was really awful. And I spent, as part of this project, a lot of time looking into apps for to-do lists, some of my interviewees really swear by certain apps, and I talk about some of them in the book. I'm not generally promoting the certain products or, or um, any of that. But I found, for me, that searching for the perfect app was um, a big time suck, and I did not, for me, find the perfect app. One of the great surprises of my research was finding how many people had gone back to paper lists, yes. paper to-do lists, yes. or the closest thing to that, which is what I use uh, in my phone, which is just a kind of notepad um, in the phone, uh, which is the closest thing to paper. And then on a really busy days, I also make a, a paper list. And that really has worked well uh, for me. Um, I found that a lot of the super doers I interviewed um, are using paper lists, which, yeah, that was a big surprise. You talk about the stickiness of admin and the roles that we adopt and we tend to get stuck with in relationships, uh, in family. And you say that admin has a, a, a very special stickiness of all of its own. Yeah, it's a really interesting thing I uncovered. One of my uh, interviewees, a uh, woman, uh, told me the story that she and her husband drove cross-country uh, about t 10 years before I interviewed her. And while they, one of them would drive and the other one would make calls to set up utilities, and then they'd switch. And she told me that 10 years later, they still split up who paid which bills based on who had been driving and who had been calling up to set up the bills 10 years earlier, right? It was that stickiness, right? It tends to stick on whoever starts doing the first instance of that thing. Um, and the reason that I think, I mean, any labor could be sticky, uh, but admin is stickier because it depends on information. You need to know things, and often you need to know people. And so that's why it's easier to do the dishes in someone else's house than to make their grocery list. So dishes are, are a traditional chore, um, but making a grocery list is, is the admin part of, of going grocery shopping. And so once we know about stickiness, then we can understand the patterns that have developed, but also we can redirect the patterns if we want to do that. We can have them stick somewhere else if we can decide with our partner or someone else in our family or our life. Uh, you know, we, we want to sort of shift things up a little bit. Uh, admin can also be restuck in that way, and that's a bright spot. So having talked with all these other people, having done your research, having written the book, um, what's been the biggest key takeaway for you and the way that you now handle life admin and what changes it's made to your life? The biggest difference for me comes from visibility. Now that I see it, now that it's real, I can make choices. And some of the time the choice is to do less of it. Um, some of the time the choice is to turn it into something else so it's not admin anymore because I make it into a meaningful activity. And some of the time uh, it's to recognize, no, this thing really has to get done. And so now it's time to do it in a way that won't be as painful. And so one of the ways, so just this week, in fact, I had to 
realized there was some really challenging email I needed uh, email and other matters that are um, admin for me I had to deal with and I needed to schedule an admin study hall I talk about this in the book one of the things that some of my interviewees uh, found to be meaningful was doing admin with other people um, most of us don't have time to meet in person but you know, you can set it up on video conference or on the phone and you get together for an hour and you schedule it and you tell each other what you're planning to do and then you do it. And then at the end you say, good job, way to go, and it becomes real. And when I feel overwhelmed, I'll do that or I'll just do it by myself. But I slot aside an hour to actually do it and then I don't wonder what happened. I don't feel like, oh, I just wasted that time. No, I know I did something important. Let's just talk about email before we end our conversation, because this has been the bane of my life. I swear I nearly had a nervous breakdown over it last year. Um, you know, you get over 500 emails a day. Some of my colleagues get even more than that. And it, it becomes overwhelming because you take a couple of days off and you come back and you've got 15, 18, 2000, 1800, 2000 emails in your box. Um, how have you managed that for yourself? So this is a huge problem for so many people. And I will say this is one area where I think a societal change um, would really help us. It's not the only answer, but it would really help us. And there are companies that are doing things like when their employees go on vacation, the company actually deletes their emails while they're gone and sends an auto reply that says, if what you were emailing the person about was important, email them when they return. And then you don't come back from your vacation with that overload. But that takes systemic change. At an individual level, uh, I've started to do things like not listen, not look at it in my phone at certain times. So at least try to dedicate certain time to when I'm doing it. So I'm not doing it all the time. Um, and I've started to try to um, write at the end of messages. Um, NNR for no need to reply, um, so people know that the email thread can end, uh, and they've started in my life people to return that favor, so we can make things end sooner, and so the chains at least don't go on and on. So those are a few of the changes, but I, uh, as, I as you know, I talk about a lot more ideas uh, throughout the book. And welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Conversations Live with Vicky St. Clair. And uh, my guest there was Elizabeth Emmons. She's a lawyer, law professor, and author of Life Admin, How I Learned to Do Less, Do Better, and Live More. And there, really, there are some good tips in the back of the book, well, all through the book. But as I said, um, I, I really like the fact that she has a list at the back uh, where you can jump to <laughs> for a quick start. So, Eric, I'm, I'm just curious here, um, because we talked about email. And, you know, seriously, I... I was I said I almost had a nervous breakdown last year because of email, but it's not far off the truth there. It was driving me insane <laughs> because <laughs> I couldn't keep up with it. I and the, and the less you can keep up with it, the more you get behind. But it's like, how do you manage to do your work when you're getting that volume of emails and you're yeah. just responding to emails? How much do you get here? Oh, tons and tons, yeah. <laughs> of course. And, you know, what I've had to do uh, to kind of just discipline stuff is just if I know that I'm not likely to respond to it, meaning it's not critical, I just delete. And, and I, I mean, I read the subject, uh, and that sticks in my head enough that if I go, oh, 
yeah, I think I saw something about that. that then I can go and search my email knowing that it won't be deleted for another 30 days. So even if it's in the trash, I can retrieve it. Right. Um, but uh, we, we get a ton of emails uh, where in-house, too, where folks are like, oh, congratulate so-and-so on their whatever. And then every person in the office <laughs> responds to that reply all with, hey, congratulations, you know, great job, which is totally cool. I don't want to rain on anybody's parade. I, I think anytime somebody succeeds, you know, something like that is nice, you know. But at the same time, I don't need to read every single one uh, of every person responding to, you know, right. a reply all email unless it's critical. So I just swap and delete that. And one of the nice things about how uh, email has kind of changed so that now you have conversations rather than just uh, individual emails is that you can swipe out a whole series. Uh, I say swipe because I do a lot on my phone, but right, uh, right. you can delete a whole series of emails with one click now, where it used to be you really had to go in and click, 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 click. <laughs> right, right. Well, I, I liked her suggestion as well of putting on there, don't, you know, no need to respond. Yeah, that's great. And, I like that. And going to your point of, you know, everybody jumping on the bandwagon and copying everyone, we call that in, in the teams I work in typically little R and big R. Uh -huh. So if you're replying, if you send a mass email out to everyone and you only want them to reply to you or to a specific person, you just put little r, little r response. And if you, otherwise you get the big r response, right? And you get, I mean, I, I've worked with people, you know, overseas a lot. Uh -huh. And so when I get up into my studio, even if I get into my studio at 6 a.m., they're in London and Australia and Africa. So I get in there and it's like, oh, it's like a million big responses from everyone. And it's like, okay, this is not a good way to start the day. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's, it's great that uh, we're finally kind of developing tools to deal with this overwhelm. Uh, because I remember back, this kind of tipping off how old I am, but I remember <laughs> back when email first started, uh, I'm that old. Um, <laughs> but back in the day, it used to be you get like, you know, three emails or whatever. And that whole AOL, you've got mail. That actually was like something you kind of look forward to because, oh, who's yes. writing me now? <laughs> but it's become such, you know, an important tool in business. And of course, in, in your everyday life and commerce and receive so much you know, spam and stuff that it, just weeding through all that be is, is a job in itself. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I was one of the first adopters of email. I couldn't wait to get my computer. But the problem was nobody else had one at that point. <laughs> and it was in the days of CompuServe. Remember CompuServe? <laughs> I do. And so if I emailed somebody and they didn't respond, I'd get quite upset and think, well, how rude. That's really rude. <laughs> but now it's like I have to put a disclaimer on my websites. You know, if we don't respond, it's not because we don't love you. We just... <laughs> We don't have time to respond to everything. <laughs> well, something in your interview there with uh, Elizabeth that really struck me was that uh, talking about some companies that will actually delete email um, that a person receives while they're on vacation yes. and have a response that says, hey, if this is important, send that email again when the person is back in the office. I thought that's really cool because people, they need to have that vacation time 
where they're not thinking, where they're not checking their email, where they're not thinking about work. And that's so hard to come by these days. So if you've got a company like that that's actually thinking about their workers like that, that's pretty cool. Of course, the downside of that, of course, is that a lot of times people don't actually read those auto responses. That's right. And they just assume that the person uh, got the email and they'll get back to it and not knowing that, hey, your email is gone. It, it, it's deleted. So, yeah. But I think company-wide, that's a good idea. And I, I think companies need to look at it. I don't, I don't know if I mentioned this in the interview, but in Europe, um, certain countries in Europe, it's illegal for employers to email employees after six o'clock at night now. It has been for a year or so, which mm. I think is a great idea because, you know, I've often worked with teams uh, maybe up here in Redmond, Portland, and um, somebody will email at 1 a.m. in the morning and then they email at 3. Did you read my email? It's like, no, I've been sleeping. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then at 5 a.m. you get another one. I sent you a couple of emails and you haven't responded yet. It's like, yeah, okay, chill. <laughs> well, I mean, I assume that uh, that there's some exceptions for that, like if there's an Internet outage or whatever, they need to send a notification, they can still send that stuff. Uh, yeah, probably. But yeah. I think it's just... You know, uh, there's a lot of people, um, you probably see this, but I I definitely see it in teams I work with where people are highly visible and they work on very visible projects. Mm -hmm. And if they do not respond, they take it that... um, you're not on top of the game, and that's that's not the case. You know, yeah. you're probably doing a really great job, but um, you Pe- can't respond to everything. People can't be expected to be working 24-7, 365. Yeah, yeah. One of the things um, that I liked in Elizabeth's book, Life Admin, she talks about Stephen Covey's um, urgent versus important matrix for people who might be familiar with that. Are you familiar with that? I'm not. Well, it's it's kind of, I mean, it's old now, but I still kind of work from this premise. Um, you know, Covey's book came out what, over, well over 20 years ago now. Mm-hmm. But I, I, to be quite honest, I haven't found anything else that really um, is better than this. And a lot of time management systems actually are based on his quadrant. But the, the one thing that I think Elizabeth wanted to point out in her book was that um, there are four quadrants to Stephen Covey's matrix and if you just imagine a square with four little squares in inside of it you've got quadrant one which is uh, stuff that's in your face immediate people coming up to you or a a crisis situation that you have to respond to immediately Mm -hmm. Um, you've also got in another quadrant you've got quadrant uh, two which is non-urgent stuff and that's where we need to be spending most of our time but because we spend (laughs) according to studies People spend most of their time either in quadrant one, which is the crisis quadrant, in quadrant three, which is not important. It's just kind of interruptions, emails, <laughs> calls, meetings, you know, popular activities. Or in quadrant four, which is trivia and busy work, time wasters, you know, vegging out, watching TV. We get we spend very little time in this quadrant two which is all about preparation building relationships networking making connections training long-term planning um, preventative activities and I think the best example um, I had when I was learning this was that um, if you think of firemen you think of them out um, you know putting out fires putting their saving people saving buildings saving the environment putting out these fires in high-risk situations. 
But that's not where they spend most of their time. They spend most of their time in Q2 in planning, preparing, training, making sure everything's ready. So um, key thing there. And the other thing with Quadrant 2 is that it's it's a, a space where we often don't spend time because nobody's making us spend time there. For example, mm. if you want to write a book but you never do, um, you're ignoring your Quadrant 2 area. But there are some very good tips in here, and um, it's, it's well worth looking at. And I actually have two of these copies, so I'm going to give away um, two of these books today. So if you think you'd um, like to have a copy of Elizabeth Emmons' book, you can ring my 800 number. Uh, it's, uh, you'll be able to get through because it's on voicemail, so it, it'll take multiple calls at the same time. And the book is called Life Admin, How I Learned to Do Less, Do Better, and Live More by Elizabeth Emmons. And if you'd like a copy of that, what we'll do is um, you can call us today, Monday, on the live show, and you can um, leave your name and your telephone number and say you're calling about the book. And then at 5 o'clock today, I'll grab the names off voicemail and I'll do a drawing. And the first two people I pull out will be um, winners of this book, okay? So the number, and let's not forget to give the number, 1-800-495-7617. 1-800-495-7617. And you have until 5 o'clock tonight to um, leave a voicemail at that number if you'd like a copy of Elizabeth Emmons' Life Admin book. 1-800-495-7617. All right, I think we'll take a quick break. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. Parkinson's disease affects as many as one million people in the United States. At the Parkinson's Disease Foundation, it's our mission to beat this disease. To learn about the Parkinson's Disease Foundation, or if you want to help support our work, visit our website, pdf.org, or call us at 800-457-6676. In the Northwest, contact the Northwest Parkinson's Foundation at nwpf.org. Next week on Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair, coping with the suicide of a loved one is arguably the hardest thing we can face. You search for signs you missed, cope with the changes in your own life, and try to come to terms with questions you may never have the answer to. In the Dark Eclipse, Reflections on Suicide and Absence, author A.W. Barnes explores his own journey to recovery and the quest to also help others who've lost loved ones. Tune in Mondays at noon Pacific Time and Fridays at 6 a.m. and catch up on podcasts at conversationslive.net. Hi, I'm Kathy Cooper, and every Wednesday from 1 to 2 p.m., I'll be hosting Lost and Found. We'll be discussing all types of losses, but it's not going to be the doom and gloom hour. It'll be an hour of education, support, validation, and yes, we will have a little bit of humor. So won't you join me Wednesdays, 1 to 2 p.m., Lost and Found, because every loss matters, and through every loss, something can be found. Radio is very competitive. Shows soar in popularity and then flame out. Sometimes, however, a real connection is made with an audience, and success blooms year after year. For over a decade, Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair has built a loyal following thanks to inspiring and stimulating conversation. Longevity, loyalty, exclusivity. Smart advertisers seek it out. With Vicki's valuable audience, the search is over. Discover the affordable, effective ways to advertise your business. Log on to Conversations Live 
conversationslive.net. That's conversationslive.net today. Talk radio for the heart and soul. Alternative Talk 1150. And welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. You are listening to Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. And uh, coming up next, we're going to hear from uh, Dr. Brian Robinson. I sat down with him uh, last week and had a conversation about his new book that's coming out, or is out, excuse me. Um, it's called Hashtag Chill, Turn Off Your Job and Turn On Your Life. And this is a, uh, you might describe it as a guided uh, mindfulness and meditation book. And um, it's, I like it because it's broken down into months. It tells you what you can do each month. It's broken down into very small chunks. So if you just need a little boost and you're thinking, uh, I need a little uh, encouragement here, this is, this is a great book for it. And at the back of the book, as Brian will tell you, he has 365 meditations. You can just pull out one a day and, uh, and get on with it, right? <laughs> So let me tell you a little bit about Brian. He's a licensed psychotherapist and professor emeritus at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. He currently has a blog on psychology today called The Right Mindset. And he's been interviewed by Forbes, The New York Times, Wall Street Journal, uh, among countless other magazines. His prior books have been published in 13 different languages. And uh, if you go to his website, brianrobinsonbooks.com, um, it's absolutely chock full of resources up there. And uh, I'm going to bring him on, bring on the conversation right now. Uh, as I said at the top of the hour, he's a recovering alcohol, uh, recovering workaholic, workaholic. Let me get that straight. And the, new, the book is called the, uh, Hashtag Chill, Turn Off Your Job and Turn On Your Life. Brian Robinson. So, Brian, I, I want to share your backstory because you have... Uh, not just clinical experience with uh, workaholics, perfectionists, overachievers, um, but you're also you also describe yourself as a working or a recovering workaho- workaholic, and it goes way back for you because you began your book by telling us that in elementary school, the period you most hated was re- recess, and and that if a teacher forgot to assign you homework over Christmas vacation, you'd be the squealer who reminded her. So what was going on? And I got beat up after school. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> well, you know, what that really represents is uh, growing up in a dysfunctional family in a sea of chaos. What I know now in retrospect is I was grabbing on to whatever I could to get a sense of control. So actually, I started writing when I was seven. I would make up these mystery stories and get these little kids into trouble and then get them out of trouble. And it gave me an immense sense of control in an environment that was topsy-turvy. So I ended up, as I grew, I had no idea what was going on, and everybody was giving me accolades and slaps on the back. And I wrote the church Christmas play when I was in high school. I directed it. I built the sets. I acted in one of the lead roles of Joseph, and everybody thought that was great. Underneath what was going on was a, a, a terrorized little boy uh, because of the unpredictability of what he was coming home to and a need to try to control what was going on around him, which is impossible. Uh, and that's, I've studied workaholics for many, many years. It's, it is a communion between my personal and professional life because when I was back in the 80s when we were talking about every addiction under the sun except workaholism, and I knew I had been through it, 
um, I wrote one of the first books uh, showing that it's very similar to alcoholism. It's a way of medicating anxiety, of medicating uh, not feeling good enough. Uh, the problem with it is there's never enough. It's like the alcoholic can't get enough alcohol, and the work addict can never get to the place where they feel like that there's, it's enough. So there's constant doing. There's, um, in my situation, when my family would go, say, to the shore on the, uh, in South Carolina to the beach, uh, I would sneak work into my clothes because my family would uh, interrogate me to make sure I was going to rest and not carry work with me. And ultimately what would happen is everybody would go for a walk on the beach and I would pretend I was going to sleep. And I would sneak out my work and work on a project uh, while they were relaxing and, and enjoying the beach, which sounds really sick to me right now because I was sick. Right, right. But how? So, at what point did it change for you? Because you continued this through your adult life. Your husband yes. complained about you being controlling, inflexible, that you couldn't relax. Um, right. So, what was the actual turning point for you, Brian? And and how did that change things? Well, there were several things. My spouse. Uh, and I were breaking up. I was having gastrointestinal problems from the stress. Um, I was snapping at colleagues. Um, and finally, my spouse went into recovery for alcoholism, and I went along to support him and uh, found out from some of the people there in the family program that I had a, a, an illness just as severe as what he was going through. Um, which was kind of like a smack in the face. And I ended up uh, joining Workaholics Anonymous, which has a 12-step program similar to Alcoholics Anonymous. And what really uh, pulled me out of that work pit was um, yoga and mindful meditation. Um, and I grew up in a Baptist uh, fundamentalist home, and now I'm, I would call myself Buddhist because to me, that really resonates uh, in terms of who I am in the world. Right, and you start your book with um, going back to the Buddhist, the right mind, the beginner's, the beginner's mind. But let's let's talk first of all about the title of the book, Chill, hashtag chill. Um, right. What do you mean by chill? You don't mean, hey, go find a hobby or you know, quit your job and go be a beach bum. It's, all. it's all about perspective. It's not going from one extreme to the other. It's actually, uh, bringing more balance into our lives. Uh, hashtag chill does include having a hobby and hanging out by the pool and kicking back and watching the game. Those are great things to do. Massage, of course, but really it goes much deeper. Uh, hashtag chill is a place inside of us uh, where we can reside if we're willing to t step back and take a look at our internal lives and external lives. And there are eight C words that we associate, that I associate with that place, because when I'm able to be there, I'm calmer, I have more clarity, I have more compassion for myself and the people around me. And there are other C words that I can list that kind of spiral once you get into that place, but it's about being in the present moment instead of regretting the past, worried about the future. That's in our thinking mind. But the, when you meditate or when you become mindful, whether it's open awareness or focusing on your breath, whatever form of meditation you do, it puts you in the present moment where life is really occurring. It also has incredible physiological benefits 
because it slows down your heart rate and your respiratory rate and loosens your muscles. It provides, we know now from the MRIs we can see of the brain, that people who meditate over a period of time, they have less shrinkage of the hippocampus, which explains memory. A lot of people, as they get older, have problems remembering, short-term memory especially. But people who meditate on a regular basis, they don't have that, and we can see it in the brain. Oh, that's interesting. There are other benefits in addition to that, like a better immune system and so forth. Right, right. And um, I like the analogy you use of a chill person. You say a chill person is able to use their gas and their brakes in an integrated way so they can still get things accomplished, Uh but in a clear and confident and competent way. Some of us treat our cars better than we treat our bodies. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> yes. And, and the, the analogy is really about uh, we are wired uh, for both gas and brakes. But in this day and time, more people are neglecting the brakes, B-R-A-K-E-S, and they're pushing the, metal to the, the pedal to the metal, and they're burning out. And that's what would happen to a car if you drive at 90 miles an hour without brakes. So the whole idea of work-life balance is bringing the brakes, and that's what chill is, uh, to your life. It's not about just chilling out and not being effective. In fact, the research shows the opposite. There's so much research coming out now that's, that's countering the old beliefs that we used to have about work. What we know is if you slow down and if you focus on one thing at a time instead of multitasking, and the research shows that you are more effective, you're happier uh, as, as you go along, and the quality of the output is uh, superior to what it would normally be. Right. So right. it's really living life in reverse in a way of what we are being told. Something that seemed very key, uh, and you talk about this in the book, you, you also blogged on it on Psychology Today um, in your blog, The Right Mindset. Um, you, you talk about the importance of cultivating a growth mindset, and you write, with a growth mindset, you think of success and rejection as a package deal. So why is that so important when we're learning to chill but still want to be successful? Well, because when we, in quotation marks, fail, or if we get rejection, we react, and uh, we, we see that as the end. And that reaction... Uh, takes us out of the chill, and it really works against us, our motivation and our ability to get back in the saddle. But when we realize you can't have an up without a down, you can't have a right without a left, and you can't have a top without a bottom, everything comes in bookends. So I can name tons of people that everybody listening will know, Meryl Streep, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, Serena Williams. These are all people at the top of their game. They're all talented in their own way, but they did not get there by sheer talent. They get there because they fail, and they take the towel they want to throw in and wipe the brow and get back in the game. So failure is part of success. You can't have success without it. The key is what do we do with it. That's the key. Right. Instead of, you know, do I give up or do I get back in the saddle? You haven't failed till you give up. Right, right. You write about great work, which you say is so much more than earning promotions, fat paychecks, meeting deadlines. It's about toiling with greatness. What what does that mean? Toiling with greatness is 
the way in which we navigate the obstacles, the stress, the uh, roadblocks, and the disappointments. Um, of course, it's important to have a quality outcome, but the, the other piece of that is great work is not just what you produce, it's how you treat people along the way and how you treat yourself with self-compassion and self-respect and the people around you, being a team player, listening to other ideas instead of steamrolling through. Workaholics tend to not be team players, and they tend to cover up their mistakes instead of admitting them. So it's really about how you're working with others, how you're respecting the judge and the janitor equally. It's the process you go through on the way to the outcome. Right, right. And I now have to let you go in a minute, but I just want to touch on this because this hit home with me. Um, you say better to think about being drawn than being driven. Would you explain that? Sure. Well, uh, many of us are driven and we never stop to think about it. But if you take a breath and step back and look at your life from a bird's eye view, you can look and, and ask yourself, am I doing what I'm doing because of external circumstances or because of self-imposed pressure, or am I living my truth? And being drawn is when you look in your heart and your soul. You can still be productive. This is not about leaving your job or not being productive. It's, again, the way in which you uh, deal with what's coming your way. And so when you're drawn, you're coming from the inside out. When you're driven, you're coming from the outside in, and you're a slave to deadlines and pressures and what people want, uh, pleasing people. And you give up yourself when that happens. But when you're drawn, you're going to be happier, and again, you're going to be slower, and you're going to be more effective and more productive in the end. Yeah, lovely. Love it. Well, the book is a uh, mindfulness and meditation guidebook. It's broken down into months, which I love. And at the end of the um, book, you also share uh, medica meditations, medications, <laughs> meditations that we can. The way they are medicated. <laughs> they are medicated. Yes, yeah, they do medicate you. There's 366 chillers at the end, one for each day of the year. They're just one-liners you can file away and carry with you during the day. And I wanted to say one more thing, Vicki. Uh, my website has a test called How Chill Are You? Folks can go on the website, take the test. It'll give you an immediate electronic score. And some of my blogs from Psych Today are on there. It's all free. And my website is www.brianrobinsonbooks.com. And that's B-R-Y-A-N books.com. Well, Brian, thank you so much for being with us. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Vicki. And again, that was uh, Dr. Brian Robinson, his book, Hashtag Chill, Turn Off Your Job and Turn On Your Life. Um, the website, as I said earlier, is packed full of resources. So, you know, if you're interested in this topic at all, I'd recommend you go there, brianrobinsonbooks.com, and check it out. Uh, he's written extensively on uh, workaholism and other issues. And uh, I have a copy of this book as well that I'm going to give away today. Um, if you'd like a copy of this, we'll do the same thing we did with the Life Admin book. You can call my 1-800 number, leave your name and your uh, number so I can get back to you if you're a winner. And just call in and leave a message um, saying you're calling about the book. And at 5 o'clock, after 5 o'clock today, I'll do a drawing of all the names that have called in to receive a copy of the book. And, the, and I will get in touch with the winner. Okay? So um, the... 
the book again is uh, pound. Uh, excuse me. The book is hashtag chill. Hashtag chill. So that's all you need to remember, okay, for this. And then my number, my 800 number is 1-800-495-7617. You've got until 5 o'clock. And I'm guessing uh, somebody might have changed their mind or want to enter both. And that's okay. You can enter both because it's, it's a contest, all right? Whoever, uh, whoever gets the, uh, whoever I draw as the winning name, I will call and let know tomorrow. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. Do something different with your spare time. Give baby animals at Paws a fresh start. With the assistance of caring volunteers, Paws helps hundreds of orphaned and sick kittens and puppies each year. Join us and save lives. Become a Paws foster care volunteer. For more information, visit Paws.org or 425-787-2500. Paws.org or 425-787-2500. Opiates has taken everything and everyone I've ever loved away from me. Everything. I blew my ankle out and I got prescribed pain pills by my doctor. If making my detox public is going to help somebody, I'm all for it. I just wish I would have had a warning. Opioid dependence can happen after just five days. Know the truth. Spread the truth. A message from Truth, the Ad Council, and ONDCP. Next week on Conversations Live with Viggy St. Clair. Coping with the suicide of a loved one is arguably the hardest thing we can face. You search for signs you missed, cope with the changes in your own life, and try to come to terms with questions you may never have the answer to. In the Dark Eclipse, Reflections on Suicide and Absence, author A.W. Barnes explores his own journey to recovery in the quest to also help others who've lost loved ones. Tune in Mondays at noon Pacific time and Fridays at 6 a.m. and catch up on podcasts at conversationslive.net. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to the Northwest School of Animal Massage, we cover the world of animals. This week, January 20th, it's Behavior Training and Healing Sunday with me. As an animal behavior therapist and trainer, I can help you understand your animal friends and solve any problems you're having. So plan to give me a call with your questions or about any animal-related topic you'd like to chat about. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Are you ready for something real, raw, upfront, and honest? Then tune in each Wednesday at 2 p.m. right here for Love from the Hip. I am spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and the host, Sakura Sutter. This show is unlike anything you have ever heard and was created to help others to help themselves. Hear me follow up with guests I have hypnotized and see how it has improved their lives. I will also spotlight amazing people from around the world. There's skin tips, live readings, and answers to life's burning questions. Join us each Wednesday at 2 p.m. At Sundown Communications, we find that most of our clients are brilliant at what they do, but they lack the time and resources to write and create business messaging that delivers results. That's where we come in providing a diverse range of professional copywriting services for fresh strategic web content, PR, advertising and promotion, marketing, speeches, and much more. Call us today so you can focus on what you do best, and we'll do the rest. Call 800-495-7617. That's 800-495-7617. Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. Listeners trust the show and advertisers love the audience. Learn more at conversationslive.net.
Alternative Talk 1150. <laughs> Are you trying to calm me down with that music, Eric? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's been a crazy kind of day today. <laughs> Just... Well, that's the, the, the theme song, I think, for Hashtag Chill. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Just came here to chill. There you go. Hashtag chill. And uh, just real quick, we're giving away three books today. Two copies of Life Admin by Elizabeth Emmons, my first uh, segment today. How I Learned to Do Less, Do Better, and Live More. And hashtag chill, turn off your job and turn on your life by Dr. Brian Robinson. And if you'd like either of those books, you can call my 1-800 number and leave your name and your telephone number so I can call back the winner. And at the end of the day, today, Monday, uh, on the live show, I will uh, pull those names at five o'clock and I'll give you a call tomorrow. If you won, we'll just do a drawing. And the number to call is 1-800-495-7617. 1-800-495-7617. All right. So, Eric, we, we have not talked. Uh, we're halfway through the month already. <laughs> Can you believe it? Hard to believe. Yeah. It's already January 14th and... Uh, Boy, the years already fly by. Mm, well, according to statistics, 80 and 90% of people have already given up on their New Year's resolutions. So how are you doing, my friend? Did you set anything this year? I, I did. These are old resolutions, so obviously <laughs> I haven't had huge success with them in the past. But uh, one resolution I, I make every year, I and, and I start off well and then kind of find myself slipping, is I'm trying to eat slower, enjoy my meals a little bit, uh, linger over them a little bit more to enjoy them more. I have a tendency to just kind of like when I have food that I like, just (laughs) stuff it in. And, you know, that's not a really good way to uh, savor your food or your life. And and so I'm trying to change that. Uh, And, you know, I've had some success with that. And then the other thing I'm trying to do, of course, is lose a little weight. And I've had a little bit of success with that as well. I've I've lost uh, about 10 pounds over the last uh, two months. And, you know, not huge gains, but uh, every every little bit, (laughs) (laughs) every little bit helps. (laughs) Well, good. Very good. Do you come from, you don't come from a large family. Uh, well, it's, yeah, the, the, our generation is not all that large, but the generation previous no. was huge. So I, yeah. I ask that because my mother had this theory about we have people in our family that, um, that married into our family uh, at various you know, spots. And they, they came from large families. I'm talking mm-hmm. six and seven kids. And they all eat. So quickly. <laughs> um, so my mom had this theory. It's like, okay, well, when the food was laid out, they probably just had to dive into it quick right. before it disappeared. <laughs> and I probably got some of that built into my DNA because my my mother had uh, eight siblings. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I was just looking for a picture I'd put on Twitter. It said, my goal in 2019, I, I didn't write this. This is somebody else did this. Uh, my goal in 2019 is to accomplish the goals I set in 2018, which I should have done in 2017 because I made a promise in 2016, which I planned in 2015. <laughs> I can relate. I can definitely relate to that. Uh, yeah, I got some of that going on too. But my <laughs> How about you? Did you make resolutions this year? I did. Uh, well, no. I, uh, yeah, I do. I set goals. But I, I just want to be more... Um, 
I try to be mindful as much as possible. I want to be more mindful. And the thing I really want to be mindful about is managing my energy and looking at where my energy, it's not about time, it's energy. So where is my energy going? Who is it being spent on? Is it being frittered away? That's what I'm focused on. I like that. Yeah, I do too. And uh, I think definitely the books we talked about today will help. So uh, it's all good stuff. All right, that brings us to the end of today's show. We've got to fly now, so um, we will see you next week. Until then, live well, live strong. Thanks for being with us. Radio is very competitive. Shows soar in popularity and then flame out. Sometimes, however, a real connection is made with an audience, and success blooms year after year. For over a decade, Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair has built a loyal following thanks to inspiring and stimulating conversation. Longevity, loyalty, exclusivity. Smart advertisers seek it out. With Vicki's valuable audience, the search is over. Discover the affordable, effective ways to advertise your business. Log on to Conversations live.net that's conversationslive.net today let's see if i i guess that <sighs> this just isn't working knowing you have a great idea for a book is one thing writing it another so what's stopping you maybe you can't find time maybe you don't know where to begin maybe you wrote a couple of chapters then disappeared down a rabbit hole or maybe you'd rather someone else write it for you. Partnering with the right coach or ghostwriter can make all the difference between talking about your book and finishing your book. As an award-winning writer and strategic consultant, Vicki St. Clair's storytelling credits span from business, health, self-help, and memoir to New York Times and USA Today best-selling anthologies. Vicki partners with people just like you at the exact level you need. Whether you need a little encouragement, editorial guidance, or full-blown ghostwriting and consulting services. If you're serious about telling the story you know is inside you, stop procrastinating. Let's get your story down on paper. Contact Vicki today. Email Vicki at VickiStClair.com or call 1-800-495-7617. See more about Vicki and her work at VickiStClair.com.